0: A chess podcast. I'm your host, David Visgon, coming at you live from the allegedly great state of Illinois. Not so great lately, to be honest. Very cold. But joining me, all the way from Vienna today, is uh, chess historian Emilia Castellau. Welcome to the show. Alleged chess historian, apparently photographer too.
1: Yeah, well, I think it's more chess historian and alleged photographer. You know, I don't want to step on, you know, my man, Leonard Oates, you know, he is the chess photographer. So I'm just like a little sidekick almost. But
0: your photos are incredible. Actually, you've done two. I, I went on your website. Your website will actually be linked uh, down below. And I, you've done two tournaments. You've done subway stitches in December. And then the past like two weeks ago, I guess, or three weeks ago, you were at Wikenze, uh, Tata Steel, taking photos. Um, and uh, yeah, really, really, really great photos, I have to say. You got some amazing shots of much. players. Um, I guess we just start there because I think, you know, photographing people in chess is very difficult. It's not like, you know, think about sports photography, soccer games and stuff like that. It's very easy to capture moments because people are, you know, there's so much going on. There's so many things you could look at, but chess is two people sitting at a board. It's like, so what are you kind of trying to look for when you're getting a good shot?
1: oh that's such a good question no one's actually asked me about my chest photography yet but
0: yeah I because none like, of the other podcasts they, they don't care about you like i do that's what it is
1: um, i'm I fighting for you record <laughs> i want to go on record and say this is my favorite podcast um well, so you, I don't, you I don't know. anymore by david <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I don't know if i can believe it you know you said you've been believe on two it. others you know i don't believe feel special
1: it. you are my favorite um so i mean in terms of the chess photography, I <laughs> I don't know. I just, I feel like for me, I see chess as, like, this kind of big, brilliant thing that has this, like, really incredible world and, like, community attached to it. And so when I, like, see two people sit down at the chessboard, I'm like, something magical is going to happen here. And... I I don't know, I just kind of look for those moments where like I think my favorite photo that I took at um at Tata Steel was the one of uh Nordebek and like it was before the tournament like in the arena that they did. And yeah, you went to
0: I you went to the IX arena, right?
1: I did. It was super cool. It was I so I get my press passes through FIDE, and like, because I do like chess history stuff, and they like for me to go and like collect memorabilia and like take photos and things like that. And so, I like got it for that, and it was kind of crazy because, yeah, I went to Sitches and Stitches was really cool. Um, but Tata Seal is like a whole other level. And so, like being in the the arena was the first day I had been at Tata Steel too. And so I was very like kind of in a like interesting mindset because like literally three months before I was just like sitting in my room thinking about chess history and you know writing my little article that I was gonna publish. And then the next thing you know I'm literally in Amsterdam and like standing in the same room as Magnus Carlsen. It's like kind of a weird like space to be in but I I think like for my photography I still have some kind of like that child like wonder like when it comes to chess and so I think that comes out in my photos or at least I hope it does um, because especially that photo of, uh, of Jusetarov like I really it it was the one where like right before the round started at the arena and he was just like you could tell he was so focused and like so ready to play magnus and like it was so cool
0: now what's the next tournament you're going to be working on
1: Ooh, good question um i'm going to Khan's. uh i'm going to hang out with lula and Flo- Who, who's Rapper. that
0: who's that <laughs> who's that
1: Lula Rops. robs <laughs> the queen of twitch herself
0: can't can't say i that's not yeah familiar. she's
1: really underground you know she's a really like uh alternative just
0: i <laughs> can't say I, I i really recognize that name Any, anyway <laughs> so you're gonna it's do her she,
1: yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna uh yeah i'm gonna go take photos um of her and just to hang out it's mostly vacay um but i am also gonna go take photos of her also might be a are you you're doing commentary for her for her stream
0: supposedly allegedly
1: allegedly <laughs> so am i allegedly and i don't know anything about commentating so
0: well i'm I'm a bit of an expert at this point you know not, not to toot yeah. my own horn but um
1: yeah but, didn't you do the armageddon stuff with her
0: uh yeah i did that um I will actually be doing something else with World Chess, but uh that 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 will be coming out in some short time. Uh so oh. yeah, we we did that. Yeah, I'm happy to. I I actually I think it would be really good if Lula should use her her network to get like two extremely strong grandmasters who don't know each other to just uh to like commentate on her games and I think that would be absolutely hilarious. Uh you know, they they get like way too into it. Because, you know, if it's going to be like me and I don't know, I don't know who else would w- is going to do it, but we're going to be memeing and, you
1: know, I don't know if I'm allowed to disclose that information of who else is doing it. So, I yeah, won't, but <laughs>
0: well, yeah, um, the, the, the press is out that uh, I'll, I'll probably be doing it if, uh, you know, PhD work allows it. I'll be doing it.
1: Oh, so. yeah. You're getting your PhD. Yes, I am. It's going to turn into me interviewing you. What are you getting your PhD <laughs> in? <laughs> um...
0: <laughs> I'm doing a PhD right now in uh, astrophysics.
1: Cool. I was a physics major for two weeks.
0: Oh, yeah, me too. Except two weeks became four years. And it was, (laughs) uh, you know, it's kind of like surrealist body horror doing a physics major. Just it doesn't really get easier. Um, But then you like you get used to it. It's like, oh, actually, I like this suffering and pain. And then you start to like math. And then you look in the mirror one day and you like haven't showered in a week. And uh You like, you know, you're like skinny and frail and you're like, what the hell is happening to me? And like, you're becoming a physicist, like you're wearing open-toed sandals, you're like wearing like ugly button downs uh, that don't quite fit you. And like, that's, that's like what happens. So, uh, but I'm out of that now. Now I'm doing astrophysics, so I'm out.
1: Okay. Good. I'm glad. I'm happy for you.
0: scary. I didn't know if I'd get out, (laughs) you know? True. Um, so yeah, you're going to do Lula stuff. That's good. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. do you find it easier to do to like work in chess by being in Europe? Because apparently you're from America. I mean, obviously you sound American, but I was telling you this what? before. Yeah. I mean, no, maybe, maybe. Because I, I thought originally I was like, oh, Amelia is probably like, you know, I guess like from Portugal, which I've been to Portugal's gorgeous country. Um, actually, almost a year ago today. It's crazy. Damn. What? Anyway. um. Yeah, but I, I found it a lot easier to keep up with chess and do stuff in chess, like while being in Europe. <laughs> mm-hmm. So,
1: yeah, it definitely is easier. I, um, yeah, just because like, obviously, a lot of the big tournaments are here and it's a lot of the big players are here, too. Um, And so I find it's like way easier to travel just like on the off weekend when I'm not doing school. And so. It's definitely easier. Also a lot of like the chess archival materials um, that like, so a majority of chess memorabilia and archival materials are in personal collections. And so a majority of those personal collections live in the US, I mean, in Europe, sorry. Um, and so it's easier to like get access to those archival materials if you live in Europe.
0: Yeah, I see. You got you get some like you got the golden book, right, from FIDE.
1: Yeah, that was and... a that was a cool thing. I um I went to there's a chess shop in Vienna, and they the guy that runs it, his name is Michael. Uh, his name is Michael, and he is also a chess historian. But he has like one of the largest personal collections, uh, in Europe when it comes to chess that hasn't been individually auctioned off yet um and we don't plan on auctioning it off uh i'm actually trying to facilitate a transfer to the fide archives right now but i um went to his shop the other day and he was like i have got a gift for you and i was like what and he was like yeah this is a fide golden book they used to publish these like during every congress and it had the list of every Grandmaster in the world and every you know female Player and woman grandmaster, and all the arbiters, and it just was like such a cool historical document. It was super fun to look at.
0: I assume you're using this for your master's thesis.
1: Yes, I am. I, well, my, master's I don't know about the thesis... book, but,
0: but like, you know, this archival stuff, like getting,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So, part of my, part of my thesis is it's an interdisciplinary thesis. So, part of it is historical research and then the other part of it is like socio-cultural anthropology research yeah. so
0: could you look into for your thesis like why i'm always losing grading um after i travel somewhere
1: yeah like in actual tournaments you're losing rating
0: in everything online tournaments you know it's just could could you look into that as part of your um like a case study
1: yeah like a case study on maybe like why you should like practice chess more
0: oh man (laughs) come on man
1: (laughs) i'm sorry i'm sorry i i i bully my friends
0: (laughs) Could, could you uh could you look into um maybe you know chess culture look into a correlation between um how cool a chess podcaster is and how good they are at chess uh, I think you'll find uh, interesting relationship there
1: for sure for sure I think um my hypothesis right now on that topic at least is like if the interviewer can make me laugh like within the first five minutes of the interview then, they tend to be the coolest podcast in chess culture. And so you definitely accomplish that. So like, I, I would say in, in the world of chess culture, like you definitely are the coolest podcast. Like, um, the, and that is academic research certified.
0: Many people are saying this actually. Um, did the other podcasts make you laugh?
1: Um, They didn't, like I did laugh, but not within the first five minutes.
0: Ha! Take that, ha! Okay, I'm shaking with rage. Look at my hands. I'm, sh- I'm literally shaking. I, you know. Viewers,
1: I oh, viewers, listeners, I can't confirm that he is shaking. Me. <laughs> yeah. Do you do you publish this as video as well? Is my is the bottom of is the top of my head going to be on a YouTube channel somewhere? No,
0: no, I don't publish the video. No, don't worry.
1: Oh, perfect. <laughs>
0: All right, just kidding. This I will would've... be the the first video podcast ever. So, <laughs> <laughs> get ready. Damn. It. I would
1: have, I would have, I would have dressed up nicer.
0: I would not have, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, What is it? So what, like you, could you get a little bit more into the specifics of what your like thesis is going to be about? I know it's like your first year, but I So maybe you're still like fleshing it out, but.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely um still fleshing it out. But right now my thesis is currently kind of exploring this idea of chess culture and looking into the international chess federation so fide and how it's developed into like this cultural community and a platform for cultural diplomacy um and it's centered around two questions uh the first one is like how did chess culture become and fide become an agent of cultural diplomacy and then why does it matter to the development of modern cultural diplomacy um and so right now like my first step has kind of been like trying to answer this question of you know what is chess culture which is where like the interviews come in and um, me going to chess tournaments and I have really like I'm so grateful like it's actually kind of insane because the whole chess history stuff like kind of was an accident like do you ever do stuff and you're like oh, I didn't mean to do this, but like somehow it worked out. And like, it's kind of cool that it worked out.
0: This whole podcast, exactly. <laughs> it's like in one <laughs> sentence.
1: <laughs> you woke up one day and went, oh, you know what? I want to do a chess podcast. And look at you now, you're sponsored by Chessable.
0: Yeah, it's I am so sponsored cool. by Chessable. Go to chessable.com slash 64 podcast to look at my favorite courses. Actually, thank you for that. That's uh, extra extra bucks right
1: there. Um. <laughs> do you, do, should i should i do a sponsored ad today's episode is sponsored by
0: <laughs> You you have the voice for it though actually
1: i've i've been told many a times that i have a really great podcasting voice
0: i've been told that i have a very nasally nerdy voice and that i should quit podcasting
1: um <laughs> Do you want to list the, who told you that? Because I will go beat them up right it now. It was
0: anonymous. I, I made like a feedback form um, when I got here. And I was like, yeah, I'm always trying to improve the podcast somehow. Uh, like, this is all me. Everything, you know, I don't have a producer. Everything you hear, you see for better, for worse is, is me. You know, terrible schedule, no website. But, uh, you know, it's all, it's all me. I think every other podcast, I've learned this recently. Every other podcast basically has a team of some sort every other big chess podcast but I've, I've been doing this alone um people have offered to give me help i should say like i know like chess did offer to give me help but i just like the way um like i like the way i do it i like being able to edit my own episodes and you know being able mm-hmm. to but yeah i mean i started this podcast almost two years ago and then i wake up one day it was in may um and I'd been like going back and forth with some people about you know getting some higher profile guests you know and Mm -hmm. who do I see in my DMs Anish (laughs) Geary
1: Slay Oh my God Wait That's so cool
0: Yeah And I had him on the I had him on the podcast I had Mister Dodge in the podcast Obviously I had this 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 famous episode with uh, Peter Svidler which like people always bring up Um,
1: Peter My fave
0: Yeah My fave too Shout out Peter Peter's a goat Hi Peter I don't, I don't think he listens to this, um, but if he does, you know, hello, Peter. I'll tell
1: him to listen to this episode so that <laughs> he can listen to us say hi to
0: him. <laughs> yeah, but um. yeah, that's then. I felt like, wow, this actually became something. And now it's nothing again. So
1: it's not nothing. I, <laughs> well, think I, I got cool. you
0: on the podcast. So, you know.
1: It's. So I got, funny I, it's... I have to
0: be honest, actually, I followed you and then I saw you follow me back and then I got mad. So then I unfollowed you. And then Lula, said... Lula
1: told me <laughs> 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 she was like she was like David said you don't follow him back and I, because I didn't know who you were um like at the only at the only con I didn't know you were 64 like the chess podcast like I didn't make the connection for a while and then I asked Lula this is Listeners, you're now going to get an insight on my love life. I asked Lula. I was like, "Do you have anyone you can set me up with?" And she's like, "I'm going to set you up with my friend David." And I was like, "I was like, I don't know who that is, but okay." And she was like, "He does a chess podcast." And I was like, "Oh, that's you!" And so, <laughs> and so I was like, "I I didn't realize it was you for the longest time, but then I followed you back, and I think I followed you first on your personal Twitter account. So, um, just saying."
0: I cannot confirm or deny that. I, I don't remember. I followed you on Instagram. I remember.
1: Yeah, you did follow me on Instagram. Yeah. I followed you back. Follow for follow.
0: Apparently. <laughs> so this is like a first date then.
1: Yeah. I think you should title this episode <laughs> First Date with a Chess Historian. <laughs>
0: wow. You see, I would have dressed up, too. I didn't realize. You know, I just thought I was going to, like, you know, this is nice so far.
1: Yeah, I think this is going well.
0: But now the whole strategy changes because I was going to ask you some nerdy stuff. Now I want to ask you, like, you know, what are your hobbies and, like, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, you know, um,
1: you can you can ask me both. That way you'll get a lot of content out of this.
0: You know, my tried and true dating strategy never failed. Um, it's a little graphic. Um but what I say on the first date is always, you know, if you don't marry me, I will kill myself.
1: <laughs> see, I think that's a, I think that's a really great strategy. I put it I all on the line. That's, it's a... Uh...
0: And people say, David, you're Im- being, quote unquote, emotionally abusive. I mean, I'm just, I'm just calling it like I see it. What's the point? Otherwise, you know, what's the point of all of it?
1: I don't know. No wonder Lula thought we would get along. This is... She was right. She's always right. Somehow she actually mm-hmm. just texted me and said at Amelia Casalow, it's my turn with the brain cell tomorrow, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. <Okay>. Actually, <laughs> I, I actually uh, share three brain cells between the two of us.
0: So you're going like two and one every day or three and zero. How does that, how does that work?
1: Uh, I think I have both of them today. So uh, like I have two, she's one. I think she needs all of them tomorrow, so I just like might not think tomorrow.
0: I see, interesting. Now, how, how did you get into chess? Uh, have you played for a while? Was it just like like you said, just you kind of like stumbled or blundered onto it and said, "Oh, this is pretty cool." Like how how exactly you you actually you did undergrad at Notre Dame. Uh, yeah. go. Uh, what are they? I forget the they're the the fighting Irish. Irish, yeah, fighting Irish. Right, I was gonna say that. But uh, I wasn't sure. I thought maybe it'd be someone else. I don't know. I, I don't know a darndest thing about college sports, uh or care. It's okay. Um, me, me either. Yeah, fighting Irish. And then went to Vienna where you are right now. Why yeah. first of all, why Vienna? And also like just back to that question about like uh chess, like why did you
1: enter so, chess so I started playing chess when I was four. Um New Orleans. Oh, uh, I should let the viewers listen. I keep calling them viewers. They're listeners. Um, uh, I should let the listeners know that I am from New Orleans, Louisiana. And New Orleans does not have a huge chess culture. Like, we don't have a lot of chess clubs. It's not like a really big thing. And also... But you have um, legendary
0: not... national master Jude Akers.
1: That is true. We do. Um, We also have Paul Morphy uh which you would think given like the history of Paul Morphy and chess in New Orleans like it would be a bigger thing um but it's not and so that was very sad but I played like pretty consistently like growing up with my dad um I went to chess camp in fifth grade I vividly remember that and um in terms of like the chess history stuff like I don't know like I've just always been playing chess it's always been a part of my life and I decided really over the summer last year to kind of take the chess history thing more seriously and to um just I guess like take chess more seriously I have no plans of becoming like a professional by any means or like I don't want to like twitch stream chess or anything. I actually do have a chess coach um uh but it, that's mostly just cuz like I think it would be fun to get better at chess. And yeah, and then when I did my application for my masters, I actually wasn't planning on like doing chess history for my masters by any means. I wanted to do diplomacy and like be a diplomat. Um but that kind of changed again over the summer when I decided to pitch my article to a history magazine, the Ponds and Power one. Uh, link on my Twitter. Um, but it's I... a fantastic
0: article, actually. I would just want to say.
1: Did you Did you read it? Actually? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I read it. Oh.
1: Listeners know that I am blushing right now. That is so sweet. Um, I no, I appreciate it. Thank you. I yeah, I don't know. I didn't think. It's not that I didn't think it would get a lot of traction, but I didn't think people would care about it that much to be honest. And then I started incessantly tweeting about it and kind of getting more knowledgeable about the online chess Twitter landscape and now I'm here and doing this as a profession full time.
0: Were you going to like take like the the foreign service exam stuff of like that like for the diplomacy side? Was that what you were thinking of doing?
1: Yeah, so I was going to get my So the master's program I'm doing now is a master's in advanced international studies, and uh, I'm concentrating in uh, diplomatic history, but I, after this, I was going to do the foreign service test, but um, this is going well, and I'm hoping that uh, it will continue to go well, so I'm going to keep trying to do this for as long as I can, because I love chess, and chess is very, like, international and diplomatic in its own way, so...
0: Oh, a hundred, percent. Like, uh, I mean, you see it, uh, that chess and like geopolitics are a little bit inextricable. That's actually the next thing I wanted to ask you is like what your relationship with FIDE is like, cause I assume you're reaching out to them a lot. They're helping you get press passes. Um, they kind of get a very, very, very bad rap on Twitter and, uh, this podcast. Uh, but I don't think, you know, I, I, we talked about this a little bit in my last interview, which hasn't been published yet. Um, you, you know, you do need a body like FIDE uh, to manage chess. You need some international federation to you know, kind of mm-hmm. oversee the interests of every country participating in the international chess scene. So I'm kind of, that does not me, you know, uh, supporting or not supporting FIDE, but it's just my opinion. So like, I'm, I'm wondering like, uh, like what your relationship with FIDE is like and what they've done for your research so far.
1: Yeah, so I um, am a member of FIDE's historical committee. Um, I don't get paid by FIDE at all, and uh, really the only kind of benefit I get out of being a FIDE historical committee member is, um, you know, getting press passes and stuff. Um, I also think it would be highly unethical if they paid me and I was doing my thesis on them. I feel like that's just, a big no-no in the academic community but um, as a historical committee member uh, all I really do so we meet twice a year we meet once in the spring and once in the fall and we read a lot of reports very long reports from federations or other people in the chess world who want to make a decision about chess history and we read them and then we meet and we discuss the you know report that they sent us and decide whether or not we I mean it's kind of funny because we like are like ah yes this happened or oh no this did not happen but um like the most recent stuff like we've been working on was this um like situation regarding the second Fide president and who it was. And um the Argentinian Chess Federation sent like a really huge um report, which is how I honestly first got onto the Fide Historical Committee is because I they've like published this report in I wanna say it was like September or November of last year. And then I read the report and I was like mm-hmm. I don't I don't know about that one uh, my historical brain is thinking that this feels a little biased and like cherry picking of sources so like I sent this long letter and then we kind of went back and forth on it Um, but I mostly just meet with my fellow committee members and we discuss uh, chess history and also at the same time like uh, I mentioned earlier uh, that the majority of like chess archives and like chess memorabilia or any kind of like historical chess materials are in personal archives uh, and not like public ones and so it's also just been like a good kind of networking for being able to access those archives. Um, I will say that I'm definitely like obviously very aware of you know the FIDE's political associations and kind of maybe the not so bright decisions that they've made um but I'm also kind of in the same boat where like I do think that chess needs a governing body like FIDE it's just like a matter of um like they really need to reevaluate their priorities and realize that kind of the I don't know it's really complicated FIDE has like such a well, like they know where their priorities
0: are. <laughs> I just think they're yeah, not they... prioritizing the right things. I I think they actually Yeah. yeah I think they know exactly what they're doing. Just yeah, uh
1: they, they do. They definitely do. And it's really frustrating um because on the one hand, like I hate being associated with Day, but on the other side, I like it's so hard to get access to these like historical chess materials and honestly the only way i would be able to do it is if i was like had not gone on the fide historical committee and like talk to you know the chairman willie who has like all of these incredible connections um until so, like it's really kind of like a double-edged sword um but then like i see stuff on twitter and i'm like god you guys are so annoying like please stop making stupid decisions and yeah it's really it's a it's stupid
0: <laughs> well i'll i'll I'll, uh, I'll i'll present a scenario to the listeners about fide um there i've seen a lot of stuff recently um i think most of it's kind of stupid to be honest um but people think that chess.com is trying to kind of sweep you know, under the rug and steal the world championship from FIDE and stuff like that. Um, first of all, I don't see any reason why they would need to steal it if uh, if FIDE is just not going... Look, I mean, for example, there's a world chess championship in April, apparently. Zero press. No advertising. Nobody, most people don't even know where it's being held. And where is it being held? It's being held in a, a satellite state of, of Russia and China, which makes sense. It's Kazakhstan, I think. Um, but it's like, um, hello, like you need to advertise this. And meanwhile, chess.com has the whole marketing machine and stuff like that where they can promote literally anything they want on their site at will. So of course they're not stealing it under the rug, they're just they're doing you know what's best for their company, and Fide is just kind of milling around saying, Oh yeah, well, we got like we got one and a half million dollars for the world championship from some you know Russian satellite company. And, you know, meanwhile, Chess.com gets literally any sponsor that they want. So, I mean, <clears throat> there's definitely a world where FIDE can build more hype and they can promote their events better. It's not that they can't, it's that they don't want to. Because yeah. that brings a certain level of scrutiny and ethics that they don't want. And, um, you know, if, if they want to keep taking money from Russian sponsors, uh, and this isn't even a comment on the on the, the war or anything. If they want, you want to keep, like, you know... Sharing money with your, you know, <laughs> Russian satellite companies or whatever, uh, to enrich yourselves at the expense of you know growing the game internationally, then that's great. But yeah, then somebody will come and 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 you know take their job from them. I mean, Kasparov tried to do it 30 years ago, and he he would have been successful. But the, the, this PCA that he created just always was looking for sponsors.
1: Sorry, I like that you know about PCA. A lot of people don't know about. What happened in '93 with uh, Kasparov and PCA versus FIDE? But sorry, continue.
0: Yeah, I mean, but as, so as you know, I mean, FIDE, the, the, there are a lot of people in the PCA, but the problem with the PCA was never it never had anything to do with. I mean, it was a disastrous decision, really, for for splintering the player base and create. You know, it was it it really I think destroyed the growth of chess. But I think had they not had to worry about funding and stuff like that, which they did, you would have a much different world. Um, chess.com. I think if I don't think chess.com wants to create some international federation. That that to me is completely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I I don't think they want that headache. Who wants that headache? Uh, it's it's a lot of work. I mean, to deal with every federation, it's 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 not easy. But you know, if they want to go and organ, I mean, they're doing this Meldwater Champions Tour. What what do they call the championships last year? They called the Global Chess Championship. I mean, global, <laughs> world. You know they're trying to mm-hmm. they're trying to put events on that level too that people can follow. So I don't know. I I to, to me with FIDE it's that they they think people are stupid enough not to see through what they're trying to do, which is you know enrich themselves. Or, I I won't even say everyone at FIDE because there, there are some people I really like who work at FIDE. It's just very specifically the the very top brass and mm-hmm. um yeah. Not, I'm not really a big fan of Dvorkovich and or you know some of these eggheads that are on Twitter who just kind of insist on having the worst possible takes all the time
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you want to hear something really interesting so i was i'm in a class right now about post-soviet russia um and like the like resurgence of putin and his presidency you're posting and... pictures of soviet russia hmm?
0: you're posting pictures of soviet russia
1: yeah uh that's <laughs> actually how i got famous it's just by posting pictures of of soviet russia well, you said
0: it's a class on post-soviet russia so i mean i guess so
1: <laughs> but i no so i was actually talking to my professor today so this is like just in news but we were talking about um kazakhstan and like this soviet union in russia and kind of like post-soviet like state that developed and um he was telling me he was like yeah actually you know Kazakhstan has really been trying to make an effort to you know develop more like westwards and you know conduct diplomacy with the EU and not be as dependent on Russia for security and other matters like that and then I was telling him I was like yeah but the thing is though like you see that and you definitely see that kind of like in Kazakhstan's economic initiatives and um domestic politics but then also I explained to him I was like but you have like they're putting a lot of like effort into um you know hosting the world chess championships which like is very closely you know connected with Russia as Russia you know is very influential in fide decisions and he was like yeah it really kind of goes to show like how important cultural diplomacy is and how even though Kazakhstan may be politically trying to move in a more western direction and economically trying to be less dependent on Russia and China and for that insecurity like but at the same time you still have like kind of this push for like a cultural connection with Russia and you know its historical ties to the Soviet Union um, which is basically my whole thesis like so i just think it's it's so interesting too like how like these ideas like manifest in our everyday i just find it so fascinating
0: yeah i mean it's like 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 i said and i'm sure you know uh i don't need to tell you this but yeah the chess and history are completely inextricable i mean the best example of this mm-hmm. is you know fisher Spasky. one of the you know it was a chess match and it's probably one of the high points of the of the cold war in terms of you know mm-hmm. public attention to it so it, it, you know it it's even when you look at the later years of like kasparov and karpov that that became like you know R- russia versus the ussr like the new russia versus the old um you don't really have too much spicy geopolitical showdowns anymore on the chessboard
1: i mean you kind of see it a little bit with like The israel iran uh forfeiting um oh yeah but they don't play (laughs) yeah they don't play but i still think it's still like a political message that like the and chess is like so clearly like being used for their you know political international geopolitical agenda
0: i mean it's a shame too because to be honest like well my chess coach is israeli i don't mean to roast the israelis but israeli chess federation as to my knowledge they don't really have this like recent explosion of talent like iran has had I mean, they mm-hmm. had gelfand who you know came from ussr he played for israel for many years and he's still like a very strong grandmaster you have like a couple of these guys like nabadi and uh Smirin. you have have a couple of like 2,600 like strong players, but uh, I mean, Iran does not need to be said how good Iran has been. So, I mean, if if they had played those games, I mean, they probably would have won a lot of those matches, which, you know, you would think means more. um, But for them, it's like, they can't recognize the country period. And, Mm -hmm. you know, if Parham wants to play my coach or someone in like a over the board game, Parham is not going to be able to go home. Uh, I've heard stories of Iranian players kind of like playing Israeli players like, you know, in blitz or whatever behind closed doors. Like, you know, if they want to be friends and stuff like that. So wild.
1: Yeah, wild it is really wild.
0: Um, I guess uh, one of the last things I want to ask you is who's your favorite uh, chess player of all time?
1: I think right now my gut reaction was, especially just because he... He kind of surfaced from the darkness yesterday, but Ali Reza, I I just, I love him so much. I think he's such like a fun character in the chess world. And so I'm very excited that he's back. And right now he's my favorite player.
0: One one of my favorite interviews in chess history is, uh, you know, when that whole Hans thing happened in the Sinkfield Cup. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Hans played against Ali Reza. (laughs) And Ali Reza... (laughs) They interview him next and he's just like in total disbelief by that whole game um and obviously i'm sure he's paranoid and knew about the accusations and stuff like that but like he just saying stuff like no but this is just insane and just like so many mm-hmm. like funny lines so so Ali Raz is your favorite favorite player
1: yeah he's my favorite player right now i think um i love him i love the kind of chess he plays i think he's extremely well-rounded as a player um i wish that I could meet him really bad um like if I could meet anyone in the chess world it would be Ali Reza because I just think he's so brilliant but also he's like he's so real he's like he's just like us frankly like uh he just the way he was just kind of disappeared and was like you know what I'm just kind of done with chess for now and then him playing like he was playing what bullet at like three in the morning like I just he's just like he's just like us and I really appreciate that
0: he also um he's very fashionable. He's always dripped out.
1: He's so dripped out all the time. The way he just like tags Dolce and gabbana like in his in his Instagram post. I'm it's just so like, funny. Slaking. Like you look so good.
0: Yeah. He has this his jacket. Instagram
1: is my favorite thing.
0: So you've seen I'm sure you've seen his jacket with like all the NBA logos. It's so it goes so hard. It goes crazy
1: it goes so hard it's just i'm looking it up right now because i want to look at the picture it's just like he's always so drift out it goes so hard and that's how i know that he is definitely like the coolest chess player um <clears throat> excuse me i'm sorry come on the coolest the, the coolest grandmaster around
0: okay we'll we'll take those you know right come on this this has been a very disrespectful interview on your end uh
1: i thought this was a date
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right this has been a very disrespectful date on
1: oh i'm sorry i've shown you nothing
0: who's paying for the bill by the way
1: um you I don't have. I'm a poor grad student. I don't you. I'm a poor you. grad student. Excuse me. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by Chesapearls. Yeah. <laughs> Chesapearls paying for our dinner.
0: Yeah, Chesapearls going to pay for 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 us, I think. Mm-hmm. That's what they told yeah. me. Um, I love that for you. My, uh, yeah, me too. Um, what are you getting? What are you getting to eat right now?
1: Right now? Um, yeah, I just had sushi. have you looked at the menu? Oh, oh I, I ate before this.
0: I was trying to do a bit, okay. <laughs>
1: You're
0: gonna do red wine, white wine, what's the what's the thought?
1: Um, I'm a white wine girl, so I'll probably get some white wine, um you know, uh steak, maybe some mashed potatoes. Um yeah. What about you? What are you getting?
0: I am um, thinking to eat the David Classic, which is just you take raw spaghetti out of the pantry and you just eat them one by one um, with some like a glass of orange juice on the side too, some ice.
1: What is the what is so as a kid, I used to I used to take naps, obviously, because you, know, as a you child, don't nap you to sleep. Now, now, well, I nap sometimes I'm trying to incorporate napping back into my everyday routine. But I, as a kid, before I used to take a nap, I always had to eat a piece of bread with mayonnaise on it and a glass of chocolate milk. And that is my go to. Um, I actually think that's what I'm going to have for dinner tonight. Uh, on this that, that's how you
0: became a, a chess player.
1: Yeah. I would uh, just eat you were that weird. bread with mayonnaise. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I actually, I used to hate mayo and then I went to Europe and then I started eating with fries and now it's like, okay, fine, I'll have mayo.
1: It's delish. I love the mayo culture here and how people prefer mayo over ketchup.
0: This is, I assume this is your first time living in in Europe, right?
1: Yeah, it is. I, um, I traveled around a lot as a kid because my mom, she was a missionary and, um, so I have been to Europe before, like we did a huge backpacking trip when I was fifteen, and um, but this is my first time like living here permanently. Yeah,
0: does your family come to visit you yet?
1: Uh, yeah, my mom came to visit me in October of last year, and then my dad came to visit me for my birthday in December. Um, so I got to see them. My stepdad has not come to visit yet, which. Um, we're wait, I'm waiting for him to come. And then that way I will have had the whole family over, but, um, he is always busy with work, so he can never get the time off.
0: You have uh, siblings.
1: Yes. I have five older brothers. Wow. <laughs> David's scared now. He doesn't want to go on a second date. <laughs> <She's> <laughs> <next>. <laughs> I have I have three brothers. Oh, really? Yeah. Older or younger? Same age. Same age are you quadruplets yeah wait seriously yeah wait that's insane
0: i don't think i've ever shared this on the podcast actually i don't know if anybody's listening up to now but uh yeah i I don't think i've ever shared this on the podcast actually
1: wait that's crazy yeah it's You're wild. one of four
0: quadruplets mm-hmm. yes, is ma'am. your mom okay yeah my mom is okay <laughs> my mom talk about post-soviet my mom is born ukraine i've this i've talked mm-hmm. about on the podcast my mom was born in ukraine lived in belarus and then when she was like my age she moved to the united states um like weeks mm-hmm. before the soviet union had like officially dissolved so it's like december 91 november 91 something like that so she came winter of 91 to the united states she came to new york um but yeah i'm quadrupled
1: wow that is so fascinating
0: it's pretty good but none of them play yeah. chess because if they all play chess, we could do like you know the, the like team the like chess teams are usually four players, so yeah, they're like four or six. So like, we could have had a nice you know we could have a nice team rolling.
1: Yeah, I got one of them so into true. chess
0: right now, but the other two I'm working on slowly.
1: I um none of my brothers play chess, and um they're also all my half brothers, and so um I've never like lived with any of them, but mm-hmm. I. Um, yeah, none of them play chess. They know how to play, but they don't like like it like I do.
0: damn, yeah, that's sad
1: yeah it is sad. it's okay. I you know I have the I have Twitter and the online chess community, so
0: what do you think about the the online chess community? like when did you discover this uh community?
1: that is a good question i guess I really got into it when um when I decided to like write my article and publish it um because I wanted people to read it and so I was like I think the online chess community would find this interesting so I just started like incessantly tweeting about like chess and my like going through the process of writing my article and stuff and then that's kind of like when I tumbled into the chess history stuff and then. Um, I think I really got into it when I DM'd Lula and asked her if she like would be interested in doing like a chess history stream um, not necessarily like because I wanted to get into streaming but I just I think it's an interesting thing and I think it's kind of different from you know just playing chess on live and um, would be like interesting to talk about so Like after I kind of did that with her and I kind of started tweeting more and like following more people kind of on Twitter and um, engaging more with the chess community. So I think it's really interesting. I think people are very engaged and um, most everyone has been nice, um, but definitely there are some weirdos out there that I would prefer not to ever come in contact with.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry about me. Um,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a little bit of a
0: little bit of a creepy guy, you know. Um No. It's what it is. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes I'd be uh that's how I get most of my interviews, is just by, you know, cold calling people in their DMs. So that could be creepy yeah. to some, but it is what it is. Uh, you know, I don't have a better way.
1: It's what you gotta do. It's yeah. like I mean, if I had never DM'd Lula, I never would have met her at Sitches. When we never would be best friends. So like, it's kind of it works out all for the best.
0: So you guys are best friends.
1: Yeah, we like actually are best friends. But it's um,
0: you know, I I said that I I don't know who she is, of course. But if I did, um, she would have told me before that we are best friends. So this is kind of a little bit shocking to me. Oh um,
1: well, I think like maybe like I mean you don't know who she is so like it it kind of be hard for her to tell you that yeah um, and yeah. she didn't tell me that and I am her best friend so like I don't know maybe we should take that up with her
0: <laughs> we fight constantly we argue constantly we are you know it's like it's it's pretty pretty bitter I would say really? um yeah not really too many good moments, um like mm-hmm. we did this stream together, and I think it was just nonstop you know, arguing, cursing each other out, like I mean, it's good wow. drama, right? but um mm-hmm. that's how I saw it. I don't know how the viewers saw it, but for me it was it was very difficult emotionally
1: well, I just like I love Lula so much, and uh, i you know. I think like I might have heard something in a background of a stream she did recently. Like, I think there was some other guy there, but like, I don't know, I was really only paying attention to her. So like, I couldn't yeah, really <laughs> I see this was about three <laughs> weeks
0: ago, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, just about three weeks ago. Like, I don't know. I think it was a ghost or something, but I just, you know, she's the best. So like, all of my attention goes to her all the time.
0: I actually ghostwrite all her tweets. Um, Every single one. Oh, yeah. Do ev- you? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I I want to put it out here on the pod. I am the brains behind her tweeting Anish Giri. <laughs> that was me.
0: That was a good one. I mean, I literally, you look at my all my hit tweets are involved with Anish Giri in some way. I I mean, yeah. Have once. you ever met him? No, I've never met him. I'd love to meet him. He seems like he seems like a he seems like a cool nice guy. Um, that's He's what
1: super it's. nice.
0: <laughs> all my I mean, I've inter all my interactions with him since I had him with the podcast are. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been ratioed by him, I think like six times, um, which is not fun. Um, but yeah, that's a guy you can just farm for, for likes. It, it, it works Mm -hmm. like a charm.
1: Like, do you remember that like Twitter
0: circle graphic thing where people were like showing like who their like circle of Twitter followers was? Mm -hmm. So I've just photoshopped and every single one. (laughs) they got like 300 (laughs) likes.
1: No, that's good.
0: You know um, the C squared podcast? That's an, another great podcast. a Big fan of them. But um,
1: mm, yes,
0: like now he actually was just on their podcast, which infuriated me because I thought we had something special. Um, I guess you mm-hmm. know, not really. But I I had I had Anish on the podcast, um, and then you know I made like a, a graphic. Um, he like said like, oh, like sorry, C squared guys, I can't make it to St. Louis. I can't do the podcast with you guys. And then I made like one of those memes, like, you know, like the guy looking back at the girl and his like other girls. Mm-hmm. Like, so it was like yeah him looking at C Square, then me looking at Anish or whatever. And that did also just did like super well. Cause like anytime you mention like Anish Giri or like Quotin or whatever, like you'll just get like insane engagement. And then he was like, Who is 64 Podcast is what he like replied, which is now my Twitter banner, like now and probably forever. Cause it's just hilarious. Yeah. Shout out
1: Shout out Anish! I um I met him at Tata Steel. I uh, didn't. Uh, I so at Tata Steel, I took pictures obviously, but then, like, I wasn't doing interviews or anything. Mostly just because it's a like pretty intense tournament, and I mostly just wanted to go and observe. But I uh, so I mostly like after I took pictures, I would sit in the press room and just like eat snacks and hang out and vibe and um. Anish and Lev after their game came out and were like analyzing their game but I forgot that Anish spoke Russian <laughs> so I like I texted I texted Dodgy and I was like I was like does Anish know no not Anish I was like does Levon Aronian know Dutch and <laughs> and Dachi was like no <laughs> and I was like they're sitting here like analyzing their game in a language I don't understand and he was like do you think it's possibly Russian because Anish is Russian and I was like oh my god you're right I totally forgot that he was Russian and they were speaking Russian and it was very funny
0: <laughs> that's hilarious one of my favorite stories of like Chess History is how like Fisher learned Russian to read the Russian books so he could know what the mm-hmm. I mean that's just like next level. But obviously, yeah, like Anish, I think yeah, I think his, his coaches were were Russian when he was growing up. And obviously Levon mm-hmm. living in Armenia, like post USSR, I'm sure yeah. was I don't know how good his Russian is, but I imagine it's not too bad. Like, you know.
1: He sounded pretty fluent. Uh yeah. And Anish was born in St. Petersburg, Russia, so mm-hmm. I was like, uh, I like, I totally blanked on it, mostly just because I always associate him with the Netherlands, but I was like, yeah. oh yeah, like he also is Russian, that's insane, but it was super cool, I'm trying to learn Russian. So. Me too. Really? Oh my yeah. god, we should practice, I don't know anything, Um, I should have yeah, i a, a Russian Ruski. spy, so.
0: Oh, really?
1: But, yeah, you heard it here first.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was too Ruski. Uh- yeah,
1: <laughs> Oh, I don't know what any of those words mean.
0: Then you would say хорошо, which means I'm good. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> and then Very there's cool. like, yeah. I only know phrases from my mom and like my grandparents. So, oh. you
1: know. We Duolingo. can learn Russian together. That'll be our second date.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You Duolingo?
1: laughs> yeah. Yeah. You Duolingo? Yeah. Yeah. Duolingo on my phone.
0: Yeah, exactly yeah, sounds good. Um cool. I, here's my last question. what's your what's your favorite historical fact about chess that's like underrated?
1: My favorite historical fact about chess that's underrated. Um I think my favorite fact is that <laughs> chess is a required school subject in Armenia. Um, and I really like that. and I think that chess should be required in all schools around the world um I am very adamant like chess is I was telling this to um someone the other day but like chess is really kind of like a means to an end for me like what I really care about is like increasing access to education for girls and um so like I think like in a dream world I would open a school and all the girls would be required to play chess. Um, and so, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. I, I actually, I I wonder, I, I've always wondered what like, uh, like a legitimate chess class would look like in the United States because, I mean,
1: <laughs> Yeah.
0: teach fundamentals, right? Like how the pieces move and stuff like that. I feel like everybody gets that down. So I don't know how good it would be as like a class, but yeah, I do agree that it would be would be pretty good, you know.
1: Yeah, I think it'd be fun. I think that it cause even if kids like don't want to become professional chess players, I think chess teaches you a lot about like consequence and like trying to consider like the consequences of your actions and like really thinking through like
0: Now why would you know, anybody ever do that? Consider the consequences of their actions.
1: I don't know. I just I wing it all the time. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. I just think that like it's a, uh, it teaches a lot of good skills that are applicable to other aspects of your life. So,
0: it's uh, well, it's a very good note to end the episode off. Uh, where can my uh, listeners uh, find you?
1: Um, your listeners can find me on Twitter at Amelia Casalau. I love tweeting; it is my favorite means of communication. Um, so yeah,
0: yeah. This was a lot of fun uh well sure we'll do it again um best of luck we Maybe better. you said we were
1: going on a second date so
0: okay so i'll see you in vienna
1: yeah okay cool all right
0: sounds good and uh thanks guys for listening to uh 64 a chess date uh you can uh find uh that was a joke uh for the listeners i know so. i got it <laughs> i was excited i was trying to get some laughter you know okay uh, <laughs> yeah but thanks for listening to this episode of the pod uh Go to slash 64podcast. You want to check out my favorite chessable courses, see how I improved and became a god of chess. Uh, check out that link. It's in the link below. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And I'll see you guys next week. So take it easy.